Okay, if you would take your Bible and turn to Second Corinthians, chapter four. Second Corinthians, chapter four. Continue through this book. <clears throat> These epistles to the church of Corinth that are recorded and written for our admonition, for our learning. Second Corinthians, chapter four, and verse one. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but my manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, to whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. How the message this morning, reflecting the light of the gospel, reflecting the light of the gospel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to open your word, this living word that has power to give life. We know by the engrafted word to save our souls. It has power to transform us, <coughs> to increase our faith. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Lord, I pray today as we look into the word of God, we thou the spirit of God to teach us, to instruct us, to convict us, and even convert where conversion is needed. Bring about repentance and faith in Christ. So I pray that you just work in our hearts. Help us to give attendance to your word today. May you be glorified. May we be helped, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> You know, the moon, moon shines because its surface reflects the light from the sun. And despite the fact that it sometimes seems to shine very brightly, the moon reflects only between 3 and 12 percent of the sunlight that hits it. <clears throat> the perceived brightness of the moon from Earth depends on where the moon is in its orbit around the planet. Now, we are, to give the light of the glory of God, verse 6 tells us, the radiance of that light, again, depends on the quality of our relationship or our fellowship with the Lord. Jesus said, ye are the light of the world. Speaking to his disciples, ye are the light of the world. Ye are the salt of the earth. And so we are to be, and we are not the light, but we are a reflection or to bear the reflection of the one who is the light of the world. Of course, the Lord Jesus Christ. But God has ordained that men hear or be witness to of himself by men. So we are that light. So we need to be reflecting the light of the gospel. 
It's God's purpose for us as Christians. But if we're going to reflect that, first of all, there must be a receiving of the light of the gospel. If you notice here in verse 1, the Bible says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Having received mercy means he's having obtained the favor of God. Of course, we know the Apostle Paul's testimony uh, in 1 Timothy chapter uh, 1 and verses 12 through 16. Paul talks about his testimony where he says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for he counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy, because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy, that in me first Christ Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern of them which should hereafter believe on him to everlasting life. You know, there are some people that have this idea that they're too great a sinner to be saved. Paul said, I was a blasphemer, I was a persecutor of the churches, of Christians, and I was a, I, I was injurious. But I obtained mercy. I obtained mercy. Peter talks about this mercy that we have obtained in, in his epistle in 1 Peter chapter 1. And verse 3, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, where he says, uh, Blessed be the God and the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You know, Peter was an impulsive, cursing fisherman. You might be saying, how do you know he was a cursing fisherman? You know, when a person gets out of fellowship with God, they resort to their old sinful ways. And what did Peter do when he denied the Lord? The Bible says he cursed and swore. You know, I believe that Peter, you know, Peter was always quick to open his mouth. He was impulsive with his words and his actions. And I believe that Peter was an impulsive, cursing fisherman. But he said, I have obtained mercy! It's that abundant mercy, that kindness and forbearance of God withholding what I deserve and I've received of that mercy. You know, to receive it means to take what is offered. We have to take what is offered to us. Christ is the only way of salvation. We have to take it. It's a choice. You've got to take it. You've got to receive it. And so if we're going to be reflecting the light, we must have, first of all, received the light of the gospel in salvation. But secondly, there needs to be a living, the light of the gospel. If you notice in verse 2, he says, But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but with my manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. There needs to be a living of the gospel. We need to just, you know, demonstrate the living of the gospel. He gives us some contrasting views of life here. He, first of all, he says, we must renounce. 
One must renounce. Something we must renounce. We can't, you know, Jesus said you can't serve two masters. You're going to hold to the one to despise the other. To renounce means to give up, to disown. It is to reject or cast off things that are not true. We have to cast them off. We have to renounce them. Disown them. Hidden things. He talks about hidden things of dishonesty versus things which men conceal, secret thoughts, feelings, desires. You know, people say, well, I have on my own way, own beliefs about it, the way of salvation. Like the Judaizers that kept adding the law the temple customs and circumcision and so on, in order to be saved. Those are, those are hidden things of dishonesty. It's holding on to secret beliefs that I have that cannot be supported by or are contrary to the Scriptures. And he calls it walking in craftiness. He says walking in craftiness. Walking how it has to do the way we conduct our lives or or regard, regulate our life. Craftiness means cunning or equivalent to something that's pleasing the eye. In other words, I do that which gains me favor with people, not what's right. The dictionary.com describes craftiness as skill employed in a shrewd or sly manner as in deceiving. You know, a lot of people want what the gospel has to offer. Sure, it's eternal life. That's, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that is, sounds really good. I'd like to have that. But they still want to command their own life and determine the right way of salvation for them. Living in a way that pleases self and not God. You know, we've got to renounce that. Gotta give it up. Gotta disown it. We can't hold on to these cunning craftiness and, and ways to deceive. Uh, you know, the, the, the word picture here of craftiness or way to deceive, remember on one occasion the, the, uh, Pharisees came to Jesus and they, they asked him saying, Master, we know that thou sayest and teachest rightly. Neither accept us out of the person of any, but teach us the way of God truly. Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or no? Now, they appear to have a legitimate question. But it had deceitful intentions. Of course, the Son of God, being the Son of God, he knew. And he said, It says in verse 23, But he perceived their craftiness and said unto them, Why tempt you me? Show me a penny, whose image and superscription it hath it. The answer said Caesar's. Render therefore to Caesar's things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things which are God's. You know, the, the Pharisees wanted, they wanted the salvation that he talked about. They wanted to have assurance eternal life. Remember the rich young ruler came running to Jesus. Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, Why call thou me good? There's none good but God. And then he said, keep the commandments. And then he said, oh, bitch. It's after all, I've kept them on my mind. And you know, Jesus listened to you and he said, all these have I kept from my youth up. Now, 
And then Jesus said, Sell all you have, give the poor, and I'll follow me. See, the one Jesus didn't say was, Thou shalt not covet. He hadn't kept all the commandments. He had deceived himself into thinking that he could come to God his way and hang on to the, the possessions of this world, the God of this world, and have God too. That's what a lot of people want to do. People want the way of salvation, assurance of eternal life through Christ, but they fear what others think. Or, or they have this idea, I just add this to my other belief systems just to make sure I have all my bases covered. Which in reality is doubting God's word. In Hebrews 11.6 says, but Without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. That he is the rewarder of them that those who receive. First Timothy six fifteen says, which in his times he shall show his blessed and only potentate, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, who only hath immortality. See, it is only Jesus Christ that can give us eternal life. Only him. No one else. No other way. And we have to renounce all other ideas. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3, he wrote, But I fear lest any mean, by any means the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtly, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. That word simplicity means this, single-hearted. In other words, Single-hearted faith in Christ. In other words, he's the only way of salvation. You have to renounce all those. You see, Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He could, when it, he could have said, well, you know, huh. yeah, well, that, Jesus does sound really attractive. And there's so many people, uh, 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 uh getting saved and becoming Christians. And, and they're becoming a, a, a quite a large group. Maybe I should try to incorporate some of that into what I believe. You know, that's what a lot of people do. They want to make a Christianity fit their ideas and philosophies. Now, Paul said, I had to renounce the hip things. I had to renounce the ways of the Pharisees. I renounce all that I trusted in. My wicked ways, I had to renounce it. I had to cast it away. You know, there's two things that keep many people from coming to the Lord. I call them the, the, the twin destroyers of souls. They're fear and unbelief. Revelation 28 gives a list of those who be cast in the lake of fire, and the first two things are fearful and unbelieving. And Paul said we're not to be handling the Word of God deceitfully. We have to be careful how we handle the Word of God and give it as it is in truth. The word to handle deceitfully means to corrupt divine truth by mingling it with wrong notions to ensnare people. You know, a lot of people use this Bible as a means of 
drawing people or building an empire for themselves. Religion is a really good way to make money. Some, you start Googling, uh, Google sometime the wealth of so-called preachers in America. They're worth 40, 50, 25 million, some of them worth 100 billion dollars. It's a way to make money. They handle the word of God deceitfully. You know, they'll say things like this. If you just give God your life and give Him a first fruits offering, He will abundantly prosper you. Is that a promise God gives you this word? That you'll be, get wealthy if you just send in to the certain TV preacher that your first fruits offering? Some appeal to your emotions to make you feel guilty that God gave you so much, has done so much for you, and your parents have done so much for you, and this church has done so much for you and encouraged you and sacrificed you so you could have camp and and and, and should you not serve him? They put you on a guilt complex. That if you don't surrender your life, what about just the truth? Children, obey your parents and the Lord because you'll really feel bad if you don't. No, because it's right. It's right. It's not an emotional appeal. It's it's an appeal to do what's right. It's an appeal of the truth. You know, how does it work if you would say, see your little Johnny saying, if you disobey mommy and daddy, you hurt our feelings, and you don't want to hurt mommy and daddy's feelings. How, how well do you think that's going to work out? No, the truth is, you have disobeyed, there's consequences. Sin hurts. Sin costs. The wage of sin is death. Some might say the reason you don't have the joy of the Lord is you're not soul winning. You're not winning souls. I remember a preacher friend of mine said he went to a soul winning conference one time. He said, I never come home so discouraged in all my life. He said it was pounded into us that if you weren't baptizing 200 a year in your church, you were a failure. I hate to tell you, but he lived in a little hick town in Pennsylvania. There probably wasn't 2,000 people in the town. But see, if you if you're not soul winning, you if you, you don't have the joy of the Lord, it's because you're not soul winning. You need to be people in the Lord, leading to the Lord, leading people to the Lord. If you want the joy of the Lord, you know, witnessing to people does bring joy. However, it will not bring joy to you if you don't know the Lord. Joy comes from obedience, not a work. Of course, we've heard this one a lot in our modern modern age. It doesn't matter how you live as long as your heart's right. I hate to tell you, honey, but if you have no desire to live right, your heart's not right. 
your hearts on that. And so Paul said, we, we've received mercy and we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty and craftiness and handling the word of God deceitfully. But notice what he did, said we, we do. Verse 2 again, middle of that verse. But by manifestation of the truth, commending to ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of the God. See, if we have come to Christ in true repentance and faith, it, that will produce in us a manifesting of the truth. That word manifesting means there an, exposi- an, expo- an ex- exhibition or a public demonstration. Somebody has said, quote, to live the gospel is just as important to preach the gospel. Is, unquote. See, we need do- purity in doctrine, but there is an equal need to be for holy living, a Christ-likeness in life. Matthew 5.16, Let your light so shine before men, they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. In other words, our lives should manifest the glory and the light of the Word of God. You see, it was by the life he lived that Paul dared to vindicate his apostleship. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. You know, Paul, Paul was questioned on various occasions about his apostleship, his authority as an apostle, and even by the church at Corinth. And in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 1 and 2, he said, Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are not ye my work in the Lord? If I be not an apostle unto others, yet doubtless I am to you. For the seal of mine apostleship are you ye in the Lord? And then if you would go to Second Corinthians, and we won't turn there, Second Corinthians chapter eleven and twelve, he talks about all the things that he endured for the gospel's sake. You see, he he dared to vindicate his apostleship because of the life that he lived as an apostle. He manifested it in his life. And whether people or everybody's persuaded or not does not matter. We just need to be right. We just need to manifest the truth. Somebody said, quote, to be right matters more than to thought to be right. Unquote. And we can't expect a world blinded by Satan to think we are right. And we should not seek the approval of men, for the Lord is our judge. But we need to examine ourselves in light of God's word and establish our standards accordingly that we can have assurance of fellowship with him and confidence in a world hostile to the gospel. See, when we are know that we are right with God, it gives us confidence and assurance. Assurance comes from fellowship with God, being right with God. Proverbs 3.26 says, For the Lord shall be thy confidence, and shall keep thy foot from being taken. You see, the problem with the, the, the ten spies were, they weren't right with God. And therefore, they didn't have the confidence to say, let's go up at once. The Lord hath given it into our hands. Like Caleb did. Proverbs 14.26 In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. 
and his children shall have a place of refuge. Proverbs 28.1 says, The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. What's a lion afraid of? And the Bible says here, the righteous are as bold as a lion. You see, if you have confidence that God is with you, you will not fear. Caleb wasn't afraid of the sons of Anak. I mean, he saw it. He saw how big they were. He saw how strong they were. He saw how fortified their cities were. But he wasn't afraid of them. He said, God be with us. God be with us. See, we need to have the assurance that we are right in the sight of God. Manifesting the truth to lost and dying world. Being a public demonstration of the truth. Notice also there's a blindness to the gospel. In verse 3, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And notice here, he talks about the blind. Says, but if our gospel be hid, the word hid here means to hinder the knowledge of a thing or to veil. And we read it right out in chapter three, how the children of Israel have a veil over their over their hearts, even unto this day. And when Moses come down uh, came down from the mount, you know, his face radiated with the glory of God, and the children of Israel said, Put a veil over your face. And 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 Paul said here that that veil is still there today on their heart. No, so the it's to hinder the knowledge of the thing. Verse 13 of Second Corinthians 3 says, And not as Moses would put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which was abolished. Now, the, the phrase there, the end of that which is abolished, we talked about the abolished last week, was the, 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 the ceremony of law, what was, which pictured or uh, uh, typified Christ, is all abolished. They're not to do it anymore. They're not to bring sacrifices and offerings and keep certain days and all that. They're not to do all that stuff. Because it's abolished. It says, to the end of that. The word end there means determination. See, Moses understood there was coming a day when all this would be terminated. Moses understood it. Moses understood, you know, one day there's coming a Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And we don't have to bring these lambs, goats, turtle doves, all these offerings day after day, year after year. It's all going to be terminated. Because God is going to provide Himself a lamb. See, Moses understood that. He was willing to see it. But if the gospel was hid, to them their loss is that they cannot perceive it nor receive it. Go to John chapter 3. 
John chapter 3. In John chapter 3, of course, Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus. In verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see, that is, perceive, the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time in his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. You know, Nicodemus can't quite grasp or understand, can't quite believe what the Lord's saying here. He's thinking about it. But he can't, he can't bring himself to believe it. To grasp it. And if we, if we read on, uh, go down to verse 17, says, and he's, this is, this is a continual narrative to Nicodemus. God sent not his son of the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. He that believeth in him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come to the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. And so Jesus seeing Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot perceive. He cannot see the kingdom of God. You're not going to understand. You cannot perceive it unless you're open and willing to accept it. Nicodemus wasn't that there at this point yet in his life. Now, I believe Nicodemus came to that. See, being lost is a choice. It reveals an incapacity to understand which has been created by unbelief. Or false ideas that we have rationalized in our own lives. It's not the fault of the gospel. The gospel is the same to those who receive it and those who do not. The gospel being hid is the fruit of our unbelief of the truth of God's word and our failure to diligently seek. The word lost means to incur, to incur the loss of true eternal life, to be, con, to be consigned to eternal misery. Which refers to those who are headed for hell and labor. So if the gospel's hid, it's hid because of unbelief. We also see here the one who blinds in verse 4, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The word hath blinded means to blunt the mental discernment, to darken the mind. And the Bible says here, the God of this world, referring to the devil, who rules the thoughts and deeds of the men of this age, has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Now, this, this blinded is, is, is not imposed on men without consent. It's because of unbelief. 
where there's blindness, it is because men have permitted it to be so. Look at Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Verse 16 and 17. <clears throat> for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as the eternal, eternal power in Godhead, so they are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, conveying their imaginations and their foolish heart was God. You see, unbelief brings about a darkness, a spiritual blindness that Satan uses to keep people blinded to the gospel. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, in verses 17 and 18, you know, Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus, it was he who had established this church at Ephesus. Remember, he spent two and a half years there at Ephesus. Uh, and everybody in Ephesus, I believe, heard the gospel. Now, the reason I say that is he spent two and a half years there. Also, there was a huge burning of books of curious arts worth 50,000 pieces of silver. There was also a riot caused by the silversmiths. The whole city was in an uproar. So everybody knew about the gospel at Ephesus. It wasn't done in a corner or a little part of the city. And this is what he wrote. When writing to the church at Ephesus in, in verses 17 and 18, uh, Ephesians 2, I don't think it's, I'm sorry, chapter 4, Ephesians 4, 17 and 18. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of the other mind, having the understanding darkened being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance is in them because of the blindness of their heart. So because of their unbelief, there's a blindness of their heart, he says. They've had their understanding darkened. If we do not receive the light of the gospel, we will allow for the influence of Satan. If we reject or refuse to embrace the light that we have received from the Lord, we will become blinded by darkness. And there's an example of this in the Bible. King Saul rebelled against the command of the Lord. In 1 Samuel 16, 14 says, But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And an evil spirit from the Lord See, Saul rebelled against God. He did not keep the command of the Lord. Therefore, God began to depart from him and allowed for an evil spirit to fill the void in his life. And Paul continued in his rebellion, though giving an appearance of doing the work of the Lord for Israel, he had the, the, the priests killed. He sought the word of the Lord through the Urim and Thummim. However, God didn't answer. 
Why? Because he rebelled against God. And his mind became darkened more and more. So much to the point. In his rebellion, he resisted more and more and became so blinded that he actually sought the help of the wish. Jesus said in Luke eleven twenty three, He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth. When an unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest, and finding none, he saith, I will return unto my house whence I came out. And when he cometh, he findeth it swept and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh them some of the other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. You know, so often people think they're going to clean up their life. They can do good. They're going to, they're going to reform. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to uh, 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 embrace some kind of religion. Some belief in God. That's like taking seven more spirits worse. Making a salvation of your own ideas makes it twice as hard for one to see truth. It only brings more blindness. You know, Satan is a god of this world. He reigns in the hearts of men, fashions, philosophy, and nations, commerce, and every enterprise. And every individual that does not accept the truth. There's two opposing forces in the world. Those who are blinded by the god of this world and those who have been enlightened by the gospel of Christ. So there must be a reception of the gospel. There must be a renouncing of the hidden things or we'd be blinded. But notice also the source of light in verse 6, 5 and 6. It says, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Now the, the true source of light, of course, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, We preach not ourselves. I mean, we are the preachers, but we're, we're not preaching us. We're preaching Christ Jesus. He is the true source of light. He is the Lord. Christ Jesus the Lord is the light of the world. He is the only, the only one and original source of the gospel is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. In John chapter 1 and verses 1 through 9, as John begins his gospel, he describes Jesus as light and life. Says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of man, men. The light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. And so Jesus Christ is the light, the, 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 the light that cometh into the world. He is the source of all light. And John, in John chapter 1 verse 17 and 18 says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which hath 
is in the bosom of the Father. He hath declared him. So, the light of God, or God is revealed, who is the light of the world, who gives us understanding into all truth, is revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. John 8, 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Life. We're talking about eternal life here. The life of God. So he is the source of all light. But we see also the beacon of light in verse 6. Paul said, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. See, we are the beacon of light to the world. We're like the moon that is to reflect the light of the sun to the world. Jesus isn't here. Except in us. He began. He began the work of the gospel. Acts chapter 1 tells us all that he began to do and teach. Then he commanded his disciples to continue on that work. That's us. Those who are saved. That's us. You know, it talks about two great lights here in verse 6. For God commanded the light to shine out of darkness. I believe that's referring to creation. Genesis 1-3 says, God said, let there be light, and there was light. But it also talks about the light of redemption when it says that this has shined in our hearts. So in redemption, in saving our souls, He shines in our hearts. The, the word shine in our, has the idea to beam or to radiate brilliantly. You know, when, when something radiates, they talk about radiant heat. And I've, 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 uh, done some research. I got a, I got a, uh, uh, gas heater in our bathroom. And there was two different kinds of heater. There's, there's, uh, I think it was infrared and radiant heat. And I was trying to, to read and study and which, which kind of heater do I want? But radiate, the word radiate means that it, it spreads out from the center. And it says here that God has shined in our hearts. That's the center of man. That first the will of man. His desires. His will. Romans 5 8 says this, 5 5 says it this way, and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. You see, God shined in our hearts when we receive Christ. He, he's given us a new heart. He's given us the Spirit of God to dwell within us. And he, and he, so he shined in us that it might reflect back out the lost. In Ephesians chapter 3, in verses 17 through 21, Ephesians 3, 17 through 21, he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts, that's, just, that's again at the center, by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, depth, and height, 
To know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. See, the only place that the world's going to see the glory of God is in his churches. New Testament, Bible-believing, Baptist churches. That's where the world should see the glory of God. So Jesus, again, Jesus has returned to his Father. But he left us with commandment to carry on his word. And so we are beacons of light to the world. You know, a beacon is something that serves to warn and guide. Sort of like a lighthouse. In Matthew chapter 5, that's the picture the Lord gives here, Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. He says, ye are the light of the world. He's talking to his disciples. Ye are the light of the world. You know, he has sent us into the world to be a light to the world, to show the glory of God in the face. As we, as we gaze upon Christ, our life will radiate the life of God like Moses' face radiated the glory of God. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on the hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that in the house. Let your light so shine before men. They may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. In John fifteen sixteen, he said, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever silver you ask of the Father in my name, he, he may give it you. See, we have been chosen to be his witnesses to the truth by word and by deed. God has commanded it to be so. He's ordained it to be so. Somebody said the light in the heavens has become the light in our hearts. The light of creation, the light of salvation. It means having received physical life as a result of creation, we have we receive spiritual light, life as a result of salvation. The first birth necessitates the second. Here the cross was as carefully planned as creation. And it is necessary to our life as the sons of the solar system. You see, we have a purpose in this world. We have a responsibility to this world. If God is the creator, he alone can be your savior. There is no other. We have to renounce all others. But the medium through which the light of salvation is to reach the world is children of God. He said, I've, I've chosen you and ordained you to go. He said to the disciples in John 17, As the Father has sent me, 
in the world, so I send you. You know, how necessary that the light shines in us. Others cannot see it until we have it. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God. It is to be radiated to the world around us by our words and our deeds. But you can't radiate what you don't have. Have you received mercy? Renouncing hidden things? Or have you modified the gospel to suit yourself? You know, to modify means to change. Many modify the gospel. A modified gospel is a false gospel. Has God shined in your heart? Have you received the light of the knowledge of God? Have you been born again? Are you reflecting the light of the gospel of Christ to those around?